you can't begin to fix the healthcare problem unless you understand everything we just talked about. You just can't. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Welcome to Bakhtari MD. I'm Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari, and today we're going to be introducing a whole new series, What is Wrong with the U.S. Healthcare System? And it's a very complex issue, and one of the things that I think I can bring to the table on this topic, which of course much has been written and spoken about, is the experience that I've had from multiple angles. And what's interesting is despite all the problems with the U.S. healthcare system, the underlying linchpin for, for the problems is one basic structural issue, structural setup of the U.S. healthcare system. The U.S. healthcare system is set up where a doctor and a patient, meaning a person running a business and a person coming to a business in essence, are having a relationship, a doctor-patient relationship. And the person who's actually paying for that service often is a third party, which is an insurance company or a government entity like Medicare or Medicaid. And I think that's where the normal market forces and dynamics that govern any relationship, uh, business relationship, gets thrown a curveball. So basically, if you're having a business relationship where someone's providing you a service, market forces take over. Are you getting value for this service? What are they charging for this service? How good is the service? What are the other intangibles associated with the service? That's usually how the dynamic works. With healthcare, granted that people pay their insurance often and pay their premiums, but the actual bill is often getting paid by a third party. I certainly don't want to compare seeing your doctor to the same thing as going to a restaurant, but for the for the purpose of, of making this point, imagine you and a friend or a significant other went to a restaurant and two of you are about to order a meal or even how to pick the right restaurant, but let's even say how you order a meal if you knew a third person was going to pay for that meal. Do you order enough? Do you not order too much? And... Which restaurant do you pick? And if someone else is picking up the tab, the whole dynamic gets changed. Now, healthcare is different, of course, because we're talking about someone's health and most healthcare professionals, irregardless of whether they're getting paid or not, you know, uh, have a call of duty and they want to take care of the person. But on a much more broader level, some dynamic is happening because the person providing the service and the person getting the service are getting reimbursed by and large, often most of the time by a third party. I'm, put, I'm setting aside co-pays and deductibles and all that for now. But for the 95% of the transactions occur, 
you know, the bulk of those transactions, a third party is paying for it. So human nature being what it is, when that happens, excesses, excesses can occur on both sides. And excesses can occur from the person providing the service, excesses can occur from the person getting the service, and then the third party paying has issues too because they see potentially these excesses and they themselves have excesses because they are obviously, they themselves are conflicted on some level because they're taking in premiums, we're talking about insurance companies or or even government um, like Medicare, on a re- in a roundabout way, they're getting premiums and then they have to take that money and provide services. And so again, they're paying, insurance companies are paying for a service that they're not the provider, most often, and they're also not the person getting the service. So if you look at the three pillars of that interaction, which is the patient, the medical provider, as well as the insurance company, it's a triangle that's complex and leads, you know, and I and I've let leads to pendulums going to one to one end to another, and I've alluded to that in other episodes. That is why the pendulum is going back and forth. Normally, if there was no third party, what you would see is just like you see with any other industries, improving service at a lower cost, right? I mean, if you look at what you're paying for a lot of services, what you see as efficiencies and technology sets in, you know, what it would take to do the same thing 10 years ago, five years ago, it's probably gotten better. Commodities and prices go up with inflation. But often what you find is, you know, the kind of television you could have bought 10 years ago versus the kind of television you can buy today for the same amount of money, you are getting not the same product. And that is market forces, you know, driving that. So you get better value, better technology at a better price. And that's what happens when you, you know, I don't think you need an MBA uh, from Wharton to understand this. When you are paying for a service, and someone's providing you the service, and it's just the two of you doing that interaction, there are market forces that drive that in ways that could never, ever be driven when someone else is picking up the tab. So now that we've set that groundwork, then let's talk about how that impacts those three groups, which is the provider, the patient, and the insurance company. Of course, there's other institutions involved such as you know um you know the, the 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 medical schools that are involved and you have hospitals that are involved and nursing homes and but but by and large let's confine for this topic you know let's just confine it to those three groups and let's start off with, start off with the physicians the good news is 99.999 of physicians are, are now um P, PAs, physician assistants, and other clinicians uh, and, and nurse practitioners are driven. Their main motive, I have found in my career, is they want to provide great care. They're in it for a different reason. Having said that, financial compensation is something that concerns them. And I think they're 
you know, as soon as this arrangement took hold, you know, let's say even in the 80s and 90s when, well, certainly, you know, this in, in Medicare came to be in the 60s, and as third-party payment became a, a bigger portion and insurance payments became a po- bigger portion from the from the 60s on, physicians had to deal with a third-party paying for a service that they were providing someone else. So initially, that was like an okay arrangement, actually maybe even beyond okay, because physicians were getting paid often no questions asked at often rates that they set. And so they could set the rate for the most part and provide the services at their discretion and get reimbursed. Well, just again, our pendulum analogy. So what excesses could occur and did occur? Well, not all physicians just accepted that and and didn't take advantage of that. Uh, And also maybe not in a, in a bad way, but there were physicians that, you know, realize that, hey, I could see this patient more, or I could see more patients. And um, and so, you know, the, the, the whole idea of managed care was to manage this excess uh, and not let physicians or physician groups simply charge what they wanted as frequently and as often as they wanted. So the insurance companies and Medicare eventually, and Medicaid eventually, you know, realized some of these excesses were occurring and you see already in the 90s you know managed care coming becoming a bigger force and you know medicare starting to put more restrictions and what you saw is that physicians felt for the first time that other people were beginning to set their rates and other people especially in managed care were dictating whether a service was necessary or whether it should be uh, covered or what have you so Physicians then saw a gradual decline in their income for the same amount of work because they were not as free to set their own rates and they were not free to use their discretion necessarily for everything they did. And again, that was a response maybe to some of the excesses or it may have been some just, it was obviously good business if you can manage some of that care. And so the pendulum started to move the other way where physician behavior and physicians setting the rates, you know, became tougher and tougher. So as physician reimbursements have gone down since the 90s, for the most part, physicians had to respond to that. And I think what one of the initial things that physician groups did is they simply saw more patients maybe. One, that was one tactic, which is to simply, if you were seeing even a comfortable 10, 15 patients a day, you might then say, you know what, I'm, my reimbursements are being cut. Maybe I will see 20 patients a day. I'll work a little longer. I'll come in on the weekends. I'll have office hours on Saturday. And so that's one strategy to to overcome that. And then, you know, physicians started to say, well, you know, maybe I could do more procedures in the office that normally I might send to the hospital or to a specialist office. You know, maybe I could do EKGs in my office. Maybe I could uh, do, you know, uh, ultrasounds in my office. Maybe I could do different types of diagnostic testing in my office, which I could then bill for. And of course, taking to the extreme, you know, let's do weight loss, vitamin pills, and and all the other stuff that, you know, uh, we've seen happen. And so I think that, again, is a response to 
you know, a third party, you know, controlling some of the reimbursements. And then you, so then the physicians started to, you know, some physicians started to do that. And then I think there was a response to that, which is, okay, we're no longer going to allow, you know, primary care physicians to do this, this, and this in their office. We're not going to reimburse for that. And so what you see is this sort of pendulum. And then this, you can like almost see the back and forth over the years. And of course, eventually, you know, the insurance companies and the managed care organization organization said, you know what? Why don't we just employ the physician? Let's just end this. And so as you're starting to see more and more doctors, certainly in the past 10 years, are selling their practices and, and being employed. That is yet one counter, you know, counter attack to try to, you know, address what the managed care facilities or companies and insurance companies felt as a way to assert more control and not have the pendulum keep going back and forth and back and forth to the point where we simply employ the physicians or we, you know, put severe restrictions on how often we will reimburse and what things we will reimburse. And then the insurance company has also said, you know what, you know, we can also control somewhat the patient's behavior to get rid of what they viewed maybe as unnecessary care or procedures by provide by creating a deductible. I think we've all seen, certainly in the last 10 years, the deductibles go up. Again, that's the insurance company's way of saying, we're going to have to have the patients have skin in the game. So if you want to go see your doctor every week, 52 weeks a year, which I'm dramatizing, but you know that's going to have a cost associated with it. And all of these tactics really go back to the first premise I mentioned, which is this is what happens when there's a transaction with two people, but there's another person involved. And if you replay everything I talked about, that none of these things would happen if simply two people were having a one-on-one transaction. And you can see now everything I've discussed and more is being a byproduct of this artificial situation where a third party is involved. So in this series, uh, What's Wrong with the U.S. Healthcare System, we're going to be talking about many, many issues like we just did. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about several things and let's move on to the next one, like the insurance aspect. Let's talk about globally how the insurance company fits in this triad of patient healthcare provider and then insurance company. So they're sitting on the outside watching this interaction sort of metaphorically, and they're trying to figure out what is happening. And so the insurance company has got to figure out a way to get premiums from the patient, take those premiums and spend as little as possible to provide excellent care and and what they promise to provide in uh, in their insurance policy, uh, and what are they going to do to control that interaction? So we talked about, for example, the insurance companies going to the patient and saying, you know what, we want you to 
get healthcare, but we want you to do it responsibly. And if you don't have a financial stake other than paying the premiums, potentially certain people might take advantage of that. So make sure that doesn't happen. And also it certainly helps our bottom line if we make you responsible for some of that payment. And that involves, you know, co-pays, deductibles, and other things. So that's one way to control. The other way to control the patient, especially is, you know, if you create HMOs and, and certain PPOs, is restrict them to a number of doctors that you agree to be on their panel, and they agree, and then, you know, manage those physicians' behavior to, you know, control healthcare costs. Obviously, let's, let's put the insurance company's profits motives aside. Obviously, if healthcare costs skyrocket and we have a lot of unnecessary care and frivolous spending, that's not going to be good for anybody. It's not going to be good for anybody, the patient, the, the employer who's providing the insurance. And so on some level, that makes sense. So the insurance company is going to want to control the doctor's behavior, and they're going to do that by several methods. You know, they could hire the physician, they could sign him to a contract which he agrees to abide uh, by certain oversight rules and regulations. Often they have to get pre-authorization or have him respond to a medical director of the insurance company if there's any questions. And they can also set certain standards of, of things that they're going to pay for and not pay for. And they could spell that out. And they can also incentivize the doctor who's managing the patient and saying, you know, if you provide great care, great outcomes, you know, we'll give you extra reimbursement. And if your outcomes are not that great, you know, you might get less. And so that is their attempt at trying to control um, the physician. The insurance company is also going to uh, try to negotiate rates with the doctors in terms of contracts they can sign with the, with the doctor and say, well, you know, we have a bunch of other doctors that will pay, that will accept this reimbursement. And if you don't agree to, to that rate, we'll use this other doctor group. So this is all the insurance companies trying to manage cost. And, you know, let's be fair to them. I don't think most of them are in the business of just denying care just to make a profit, but they do want to find the excess. Whether they're always successful in just finding the excess, you know, someone could debate. But let's put that aside. They are going to try to find excesses and abuses. And these are some of the strategies they're going to use to try to find the excesses. So the insurance company has to manage the patient. The insurance company has to manage the doctor. And if it becomes very difficult, what's going to happen is they're at some point going to say, why don't we just you know, employ the physician and try to control the interaction that way? So basically, there are insurance companies that actually have their own doctors. Um, and, or why don't we sign contracts with physician groups that would that will put in processes and procedures to prevent excesses from occurring? That's not all, but that that's a big part of the insurance company. So let's move on to the patient. So obviously, the patient, either their them or their employer or 
a government uh, plan that they've paid into is paying the insurance company premiums. And they obviously want to get the po- best possible health care. So their motive is obviously to have access to physicians and, and, and health care providers that will give them their care. Their struggle and battle is seeing how, how can I get this care with the minimum amount of premium, with the minimum amount of deductibles uh, and co-pays, and access to as wide of a network I can get for that money. And that's their struggle. And they're trying to navigate that scenario where they want to go see, let's say, a physician and they, they're trying to navigate exactly whether or not the insurance company will pay for it, what they will pay, what's the deductible. And so they're really stuck in the middle. But part of it, if you go way back to when all these managed care controls weren't in, there were patients who probably saw doctors, you know, saw too many doctors too often for unnecessary things and took advantage of the system. Of course, that wasn't common, but it did happen. And what they felt was sort of over the last several decades is this response from the insurance companies and doctors to those pressures. The doctors were like, well, the insurance companies are regulating us, cutting their reimbursements back. And so we then have to look at our patients and say, you know, how do we manage seeing them providing great quality, but still, you know, being able to grow our business and stay in business and hire more staff or open up more offices. And so that this, this it's almost like back and forth has been continuing between, you know, what the doctor, what the insurance company and the patients want, what their motives are. And it's all about, you know, the struggles are created when you have a limited amount of funds and how we're going to divide up those funds and how are we going to provide service to the patient. You know, we talk about the, we talk about that the insurance companies are this outsider that's impacting this relationship between the doctor and the patient. But there is one other thing that also impacts it. And it's, most people don't think about this, but it's really important. You know, two things that really impact that finances aside, almost every medical provider I know wants to provide great care for their patients. That's just paramount. And on some level, they don't care necessarily about reimbursements per se. They just want to do the right thing. And I think this drive to provide patients excellent care at any cost is a big driver that, you know, also alters that dynamic. I mean, you may go to a car mechanic and there are great car mechanics and there's bad car car mechanics, but I don't think many car mechanics are losing sleep saying, oh, I wonder if there's anything else I could have done for that transmission. But doctors think like that. You know, we go home often and on our drive home and we think, you know, what, what else? And so the other thing that impacts that dynamic, which takes the economics, economics out of the equation, is healthcare providers, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, specialists, they all, underneath all of this hullabaloo that's the swirl, swirlwind of noise going around them is 
despite what the insurance company said last week and despite uh you know what issue is over here or there they just want to move the ball forward for the patient so that you know that also upends that that dynamic because i know of many people who provide care above and beyond what they're supposed to simply because it's the right thing to do and that also normally doesn't often happen in a straightforward business transaction that's why it's not a straightforward business transaction because healthcare providers by and large compartmentalize that that healthcare transaction and also look at it like i have to do the right thing for this person and you know whether it's staying up later and making more phone calls researching something things that you know i know most healthcare providers know they're not going to get reimbursed for you know it's not unusual to, you know to be at a nurse's station at a hospital and seeing two doctors or two healthcare providers talk for 45 minutes to an hour on you know what are all the pros and cons of the different approaches to something they want to offer a patient or or what happened to a patient they're not getting reimbursed for all that and so it's not like if i don't get paid for it i'm not doing it so that also is a dynamic that really impacts that back and you know that that doctor patient doctor patient relationship the other one that really i think no one really thinks about that also impacts the doctor patient relationship is the is the medical legal because on some level whether it's the insurance company or the doctor they have to still provide the standard of care for a patient and i think even insurance companies when they try to deny a service or whatever in the back of their mind they have to wonder hey is this standard of care us denying this service or when a doctor you know decides to do a procedure not do a procedure in the back of their mind they got to is this the standard of care because if it's not the standard of care there may be some legal repercussions to that and so it's not as straightforward as a doctor and a patient just sitting there and not having other forces come down on them yes the insurance company is a force that's impacting the patient and it's impacting the doctor but so is the doctor's calling to do the right thing irregardless of the finances and so is the medical legal aspect of that interaction playing a force in the medical provider as well as the insurance company and all of that all of those forces working simultaneously make this a very very complex interaction and it's unlike anything else that's not the same as paying your landscaper or getting a service you know when you're having your car fixed none of these dynamics fall into place and that's why healthcare is the mess that it is and that's why there is no easy solution i mean the the easiest solution which would be not really workable is to sort of get that elephant in the room that third party out of there but that would then you know expose everyone to potentially unlimited there's certainly the patients to unlimited liability in their healthcare which i don't think is good or and and anything that anyone proposes but you can't begin to fix the healthcare problem unless you understand everything we just talked about you just can't 
if you don't understand all those angles and you think you have the solution to healthcare, because if managed care was the solution to healthcare, we'd all just be in an HMO and we'd all be, you know, it'd be done. Everything would be over. But obviously that has issues like we alluded to. Or if we just did all fee for service and let doctors charge what they want, see anyone they want, when they want them, as often as they want it, that has issues. And then when you should do a hybrid of it, you get a hybrid of the excesses and you have to deal with that. So I hope that explains the big overarching problem with the US healthcare system. It's complex, it's multifaceted, and it is a creature made from all its components. Now, the only, I wanna end on a positive note, despite all that, despite everything I just said, if you were on this planet and got seriously ill, there is nowhere else but the United States you'd wanna be in, nowhere. One of the byproducts of all that back and forth though is the amazing technology and amazing medical care we've developed despite those. I wouldn't say it's because of it, I would say despite all those issues that we covered, we have the best healthcare system in the world And the way you know it is if anyone was seriously sick anywhere in the US, I'm sorry, anywhere in the world, if anyone's seriously sick anywhere in the world, they would do anything to be in the United States to get care. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you.